Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's show, I would like to thank ARS Pharmaceuticals for their very kind support of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Back to School not only includes establishing food allergy accommodations and getting through medical appointments, there's a lot more to learn. If you plan today for fall, then hopefully your family will enjoy some smooth sailing ahead. Pick up some tips today for teaching your child self-management, dealing with classroom parties and events, and how to find school resources. So be ready to learn from the best with FACT's Vice President of Education, Kristen Osborne. Welcome, Kristen. As usual, I expect to enjoy a wonderfully robust conversation today about back-to-school tips, tricks, and resources. All of us always walk away learning something new, something inspiring. You are just so much fun. So welcome. Thank you, Caroline, for having me. I always enjoy our conversations on the podcast. I couldn't agree more. So let's just jump right into our conversation. You have a very active and fun family. I stalk you on social media and listeners, you should too. It's a lot of fun. But can you share with listeners your background as a busy parent who's always on the move? Absolutely. Uh, as a busy parent who is always on the go, I understand the challenges and the joys that come with maintaining an active and fun family life. Between balancing work or household responsibilities and the needs of my children require careful planning and a lot of energy because they are involved in many different activities. But it can be incredibly rewarding, but also nerve-wracking sometimes. But when one or more family member has food allergies, it becomes really important to navigate daily routines and activities while prioritizing their health and safety. This often involves careful meal planning or planning our meals in advance because sometimes we just can't stop anywhere and get something to eat. It also means reading ingredient labels diligently, staying informed about potential allergens and various food products, and being on the move means that our family is constantly exploring new places, trying new activities, and participating in different events with food allergies. So we want to make sure that when we approach these new activities, we proceed with caution and we prepare in advance. And we always want to make sure that we communicate our dietary restrictions and educate those around us about food allergies and how important it is to carry medications like epinephrine auto-injectors. And so by doing all of this, we ensure that our family can participate and all the fun and all the adventures while minimizing the risk of an allergic reaction. You guys are always on the move. And can you share with listeners, what is the age range of your students? Because you've got everybody in every different level. 
I do. I feel like I kind of hit every generational gap. My husband and I thought we were doing something fabulous by having the kids about five or six years apart. So my oldest is um, in his 20s, early 20s. My middle son is a senior going into high school. Middle son is a senior in high school this new year. And my youngest son is starting his first year in middle school. So I jokingly said recently that we have been in elementary school for the last 17, 20 plus years, and we no longer have someone in elementary school. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's been a process for me to digest that information. Oh my goodness. 17 years. Yikes. It's been a while. It It is, it has been a long time. And uh, with all of that time, we've had plenty of opportunities to figure out back to school and all kinds of information and strategies to help us maintain a safe and inclusive school experience for my kids. So that's been a joy. Well, we're definitely speaking to the right person today. So now where does a parent or caregiver even begin to start for planning for back to school? So what might be a few of your first steps that you would suggest to people for getting organized it's right around the corner, August, September for many. It is. It it just doesn't seem like the summer was long enough this year. I'm not sure as I get older, the summers get shorter or if that's just my imagination. But when it comes to planning for back to school while managing food allergies, there are a few important steps that parents or caregivers can take to get organized and ensure the safety of their child. So my first step would be to take a look at FACTS website. On FACTS website under education, there are many different tools and checklists that parents can look at and view to determine what steps they need to take moving forward when their child is in school. But the first I always suggest is reviewing and updating your child's allergy management plan. So if your child has a food allergy, your uh, board certified allergist or your child's pediatrician will give them a life-threatening allergy management plan. That's important to have because the school will need a copy of that along with your child's emergency medication. So you want to start by reviewing your child's management plan with their healthcare provider and ensure that the plan's up to date and it reflects any changes in their allergies, their medication, or any emergency contact info. This third suggestion would be communicate with the school. We know that school starts every year around August, mid-August, late August, or sometime early September. It doesn't change. So now, right now, as you're listening to this, whether it's in July or August, we it's important for you to contact your school that your child attends. Reach out to them and initiate a conversation about your child's food allergies. Schedule a meeting with the important key holders like principals, school nurses. You may not have a conversation with your child's teacher just yet because they may still be determining what class your child's in, but it's important to have the conversation with the admin at this point. And during this meeting, you want to make sure you're documenting things, writing down any necessary information about your child's allergies. You're having conversations about potential, if your child has a 504 plan, what that entails. And I know Amelia, our VP of Civil Rights and Advocacy, has several fantastic 
roundtable podcasts about 504 plans in school. Take a listen to that and lead into these conversations that are necessary at your child's school. Make sure that you're starting now and we don't wait to the last minute because it's it's important to be proactive instead of reactive. A lot of times when we see incidents happen in school with reactions or or other issues, it could be a reaction to not being prepared. So we just want to make sure we're prepared as possible. Also, we want to understand what your school's policies and procedures are. Is there a policy in place? What does that policy look like? If the school is unaware of a specific food allergy policy, talk to the district. Is there something that you can find on the website? Really arm yourself with all of this information in advance so you can have these very important and vital conversations with your school's team. And you make sure you involve all the stakeholders. Like I mentioned before, you want to talk to the admin. You want to talk with the administrators, the assistant principals, the nurses. Some of these stakeholders may not be in school at this time, but you want to start with the principal and the assistant principal and go from there. Excellent advice. I hope everyone's taking good notes here. So now let's turn to school parties and events. How can parents and caregivers approach these events and things that take place with their teachers or school nurses or even their own children? I've noticed there's a trend that many schools have gone to a food-free environment, which is great because it helps students with food allergies and other food-related diseases or illnesses. But if your school still participates and wants to celebrate with food, you want to make sure when you're having a conversation at the beginning of the year, you're asking about these potential dates. For example, is there a class party? If your student's in elementary school, there may be class parties, especially in the younger grades, for Halloween or for Thanksgiving or for the winter break. So if there are parties, you can plan in advance and have a conversation with the teacher about what that party will look like and where it's located. So if your child has a a specific food allergy, maybe have the party in the cafeteria as opposed to the classroom where it's a learning environment. Also have these conversations and know, are there any specific PTA or PTO nights that are going to involve food that your student might want to participate in? So again, it's being proactive, not reactive, having these early conversations, writing down the information. And FACT has a great resource. It's a parent checklist for back to school on their website. And you can use it to have these conversations and remind you of what questions to ask and also write down and jot down the answers. Or in the future, if there's a miscommunication, you can go back and reference what was said to you by whom. Amelia Smith mentioned that too in her podcast, that when you have these great conversations, follow up with a summary and an email so you've got it in writing, just helps everyone stay on the same page. Exactly. You definitely want to make sure that you have a paper trail because sometimes at the beginning of a school year, there's so much information coming home and there's so much information being provided and given to the teacher. So you want to make sure that you are aware of what's going on and maybe even provide a a gentle reminder about what is said. So 
if you know there's a party coming up at the end of October, the beginning of October, say, hey, you know, we discussed at the beginning of the year that we were going to have a class party. Is this still the case? Are we, where is it going to be located? What food will be there? And that sort of thing. So you can have this conversation early and there are no surprises and everyone can participate and be included in the activity. Quick question here for older kids who have like dances and proms. So would you suggest even at the beginning of the year asking about, is there a committee? How do these work? As I know for my kids, there was food at these dances and it's dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a great point. I have these conversations with the people who are in charge of putting together. So the there's always a committee, especially in middle school and definitely in high school, that puts together the food that will be served. Also, talk about if your child will participate in having food prior to the event. Are they going to have something to eat before they go? Um, are they eating during the event? I know with my, one of my sons, he preferred to bring his own safe snacks, and that's what he did. But your son or daughter may want to do something differently. But it's important to have these conversations in the beginning. But don't forget to follow up. It's great to have the conversation in August or September, but you have to follow up because things change. People change. They're not on the committee anymore. And the whole plan is different than what you may have thought it was in the beginning of the year. So definitely have conversations with the people who actually make decisions. That is an excellent point. Things do change, right? Schools have turnovers. Parents who might be helping have something come up in their life and are no longer there. That's really smart, really great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. So now if a listener is actually able to offer food allergy resources to a school, what items or materials might you suggest? I know from my own experience, I've had teachers and schools say, okay, how do we educate the kids? What what can we do? I mean, people really ask. And also too, I think I learned this from you, is offer as well. So when you're having those initial conversations, say, oh, by the way, you know, here are some resources and hand them over. So what do you suggest? So I always start with going with facts educational downloads that we have on our website, foodallergyawareness.org. Under the education tab, there are multiple different resources that you can use, whether it's for buses, a bus driver checklist, or student or parent checklist, or teacher checklist. They're all there to kind of help you walk through the process. But we know that one in 13 children have a food allergy. So that's about two kids in each classroom. And with so many students, it's important for educators to build an awareness and have really factual information when it comes to food allergies, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So FACT has created a food allergy curricula program for schools that consists of three age-appropriate programs. There's kindergarten through third grade, grades four through eight, and then high school, and all of the curricula programs have been created by FACT in collaboration uh, with educators and reviewed by our medical advisory board and also includes a lot of the best practices from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So it's voluntary food allergy guidelines. There's food allergy curricula 
and it teaches educators and students about food allergies and anaphylaxis through different interactive presentations. There are lesson plans and all kinds of activities. So this is a great resource to start with sharing to your admin. So they could possibly take this curricula and provide an in-service to the school, the teachers, the staff at the beginning of the school year. Kristen, being that you're so good at communication, I've watched you teach it in webinars and sessions and so forth. So let's tap into that. How would you suggest for parents when they're talking to their student about school, what would you suggest to the parents on how to start that conversation in a way that doesn't feel very heavy or scary or intense? A lot of times when you're talking about food allergies, there's this tenseness, like you mentioned, this fear that kind of arises and it kind of paralyzes children wanting to be able to communicate their feelings. And sometimes you work around that by talking openly about it, talking often about basically how they feel. So I always start out with, what did you love about last year in school? What was your favorite part? How did this particular favorite event or thing that you did in school impact you with your food allergies? Then I also discuss, well, what didn't work well for you? What don't you want to do again? Or what event happened that you just didn't care for? And that opens up a lot of conversations because as parents, we have one idea of what we think would help our children and keep them safe. But then through day-to-day action and being in school on their own, they can arrive at something that works a little bit better for them. For example, I know we had a an accommodation where my son would have an empty seat on either side of him. And by mid-year, he just didn't really want that anymore and felt he felt that it was okay and safe for him to ha- not have that buffer anymore. And of course, he being the age to make decisions, we felt that that was something that he wanted to do and it was fine. And we readjusted his 504 plan, but we have these conversations and talk about how we can implement them for the following school year. So another student may want to sit at a peanut table or a peanut-free table because they are more comfortable that like that. And it's a conversation I believe that parents should have with their students prior to going into the conversation with admin. Because if the school says, well, our policy is A, B, and C, you can say, I understand that, but I think it would be best for my child to have this particular whatever accommodation or request that you're making. But the conversation should happen. And you should talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly and not be intimidated by sometimes what the ugly presents itself. And the ugly could be that, you know, someone said something that wasn't kind and passing. And we have role playing with our kids about how we have that conversation in the future if someone says something we don't like. So it's a it's role playing when it comes with the little ones. It's having open and honest conversations and, and having them frequently. So it's not this surprise conversation at the end of summer where we're grilling the kids, asking them what they liked and didn't like. It should be a conversation that evolves through, you know, every couple of weeks where we can bring up examples of how we should react to a specific situation as it relates to food allergies. Kristen, that 
is phenomenal advice. Again, I keep saying it throughout this whole podcast. Thank you. But thank you. You're tapping into all that experience, 17 years in elementary. Oh my goodness. And we appreciate it. You know, it's through our real life experiences, you know, tapped into our professionalism and resources and what we know. And it's bringing all of that together as I think, which helps us become really good solution people. You know, when you're a food allergy parent or caregiver, that's what you are. You are the master of solutions. Exactly. We want your wheelhouse. Exactly. This is it. Well, Kristen, I can't believe it, but it's true. We are coming to the end of our time together. So before we wrap up today, do you have any of your favorite resources you want to share? Or if there's anything else that we haven't discussed that you want to share with everyone today? Well, one tidbit I'd like to share is that as you're going through the process of having these conversations with school administrators or teachers, Involve your child as much as possible. If they're in early elementary, have them explain about their food allergies, whether it's in person or in a video. Maybe have them share a picture that they drew about their food allergies. If they're in upper elementary, have them talk about what safe foods they eat so that the teacher can have an idea of what the students can have in class and share with their classmates. In middle school and high school, there the students are going to take more of a self-advocate approach to their food allergies, and you want to make sure that they're involved in the process of having these conversations with your teachers and schools as well. It's a great opportunity to prepare them as much as possible for life after school, because we know that life after school can be a little scary, and we want to make sure that we've empowered them with every tool possible to help them stay safe. So we really are at the end of our time together. Do you have any wonderful words of inspiration or a thought that you just want to leave us with today? Parents and caregivers, as you go into the upcoming school year, know that you're not alone. Know that we are a community of parents and caregivers with students who have food allergies, and that we're all here for you. We are thinking of you. I'm thinking of you when I'm making my gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free lunches for my kids. I'm thinking of all the other parents who are up in the morning not wanting to do this as well. So uh, we're thinking of you and just know that if you ever need support, if you ever need someone to talk with, FACT and its team is here for you perfect words to end this wonderful podcast. Thank you again, Kristen, so much for your time and sharing all these years of experience that you have with us. So thank you so much. You're welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to take a moment to pause and say thank you to ARS Pharmaceuticals for their kind sponsorship of Facts Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.